podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello everyone and welcome to The Weekender, or should I call it The Weekende? Because it's actually a rather shortened version of the show this week. Uh, you'll find out why over the course of the coming 45-50 minutes or so. But don't worry, we've still got plenty of fantastic chat for you. Looking directly at me, I've got Andy Heaton, I've got Stu Wright, I've got Adam Smith. Uh, we've also got the lads who are out in America, we're going to be doing a little bit of a report on that later on. So... Let's start with talking about that tour. The tour has just ended, the US tour. And what have we learned, really, uh, apart from maybe don't play Sevilla ever again? Um, it was really hard to look at those matches, uh, Stu, and say that there was any kind of critical analysis that we could take from them. Obviously, the temperature, obviously, the nature of the pitch, the fact that we didn't have our full squad out. But there would have been some trends that would have been picked up. Was there anyone in particular player-wise who stood out for you over the course of the three games? Yeah, there, were, there weren't many, but I think there were there were a few, few notable uh, performances really, or, and selections really that just give you an indication of where Klopp's head is at. I think I think um, the first one being that in the last game against Sport and Lisbon, um, I think it was it was really noticeable that Klopp picked Matip to play alongside mm-hmm. Van Dijk um, because, f- you know, for the hour that, th- that they got there, it was very much his strongest 11. You could see that, you know, th- he was trying a few things there uh, with a, a mind to the new season and coping without certain players. And I think uh, Matip's selection ahead of Gomez was was very telling and I'll be very surprised if um, we're not lining up with that partnership in the Community Shield next week. Um, I also thought Ox did did pretty well. Mm-hmm. I thought he was uh, he was bright over the course of the proceedings. He faded a little bit with the, with the calf injury that the clock mentioned, but um, but I think in general, considering how long he's been out, there's, there's a lot of positives around uh, his performances. Um, and on the flip side, you know, sorry to be a bit of a negative Nelly, but um, I think this preseason, this tour was it was the opportunity. For players like Wilson and Kent to absolutely stamp their authority um, on the team in the absence of the of the other front players, it was an opportunity for them to show what they're about um, and make the most of that opportunity. And I just don't think they did. I just don't think, particularly Wilson, um, over the course of the three games in America, I don't think we've seen enough mm-hmm. from to convince Klopp that he's a viable option now as an as an alternate for the front three. You're allowed to be a negative Nelly on this show, don't worry. <laughs> I'm feeling it a little bit today. It's this, it's this early rising during the summer holidays. That's done it for me, to be honest. But you are right. I mean, Wilson was one of the names. In fact, we did a show last week where we were talking about who we, who is this the biggest for, and Wilson was one of the people who got mentioned. And yet, Adam, we didn't really speak about him a lot during the games. We spoke about Rian Brewster. We spoke about Yasser Larucci of the younger players. But we really didn't speak about Wilson or even really Ryan Kent. No, but I look. I think that was quite predictable. To be honest, I was one of I think a number of people saying he, he's he's not good enough. Like he wasn't. He what Derby fans didn't think he was their best player. Mm-hmm. So I don't really see how he was going to come. And immediately, you know, look. There are definitely. I think the reason a lot of us wanted to see him is because there are some players who step up around better players. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, it was it was it was interesting. Is he going to be one of those people who steps up with the better players alongside him? And then maybe Klopp will have a look at him. But I think most people <clears> were thinking, you know, when, when a lot when some people were were clamouring, saying, "Oh, you know, Wilson will deserve a chance next season when he was banging in free kicks." 
Well, the very few, I'm, I, I can't pretend to have watched many Derby games at all, but the very few bits of Derby that I did see last season, he didn't do much else. It wasn't like he was he was constantly, you know, running back in and nicking a ball off a defender and then running forward with him. But it was just that he'd stick a free kick into the top corner. And that's great. We could do with a free kick specialist, but this isn't a team that carries the water of somebody just because they didn't put the, the ball into the back of the net. And when he had a really good chance of a free kick, mm-hmm. he didn't even score that. So so I think it, it I think it was almost inevitable. I think he he is one of those players, Wilson in particular, one of those players I think who the the preseason is the definition of a shop window for yeah you know let other people see him let let, let and and uh, Neil I think made a really good point or maybe it was on one of the uh, when it was in the review show actually um, it, might, it might have been Dan but somebody made a really good point in one of the shows last week where they were saying that these players it's not just that they have you know that they've been put in the shop window but they've got a pre-season a full pre-season under their belt with one of the best managers in the game at giving people a pre-season which is a real selling point if you're a championship team and you're you're looking and going this lad's going to come in and he's going to be fit as a fiddle because you've been working with Jurgen Klopp all summer that's worth an extra couple of million in and of itself in in a, in, a, in a very kind of you know scant market in that sense so yeah I, I wasn't really surprised that we didn't see much of him because I, I wasn't really expecting much to be perfectly honest that's not me being smug I just I just didn't think if, you, if you're not even Derby's best player mm. you're not going to set the world alight it I feels it feels like definitively the end now though for that, me yes I think it, it so. that, like, was a, that was a I, I agree with you it was the chance for him to yeah, step forward like, didn't I, I didn't think he, his performances were noticeably different than his previous pre-season yes. performances for the last four years, say. Uh, and he's he's not a young lad now, really, in relative terms. You know, he's he's not. A, he's, he's no not, Jesse Lingard. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> I think he actually is Jesse Lingard. I think that's the problem. So I, I do think now we've just reached the point where he's had a successful year out. You know, his stock is fairly high amongst championship clubs. There's a good opportunity to get <clears throat> decent money for him. Um, and I think if he was ever going to make the breakthrough, it had to be this summer. And I think that, you know, the, the time has passed now, so it's time to let him go. Mm. I mean, Andy, are we being a little bit harsh here? I mean, we have just said that these are disjointed games, hard to make any true assessments from. But also, it's hard to escape the fact that he knew that this opportunity was there for him. So how do you assess how, how he actually played within those times? Um, maybe, he's just, maybe he's taking the opportunity not in ways that you think. Um, I'll preface this by saying, and I think I've said it for the past 18 months, I don't think he's good enough for Liverpool. I think he's too, he's too old now, which sounds ridiculous, but he's one of those players who'll be like, you know, it's like Griezmann's what, 29? Everyone thinks he's 22. What I'm saying is he need, if he needs, to, he needs to break through, and if he's going to break through, it has to be now if not Liverpool somewhere else. What I will say is that they're doing double sessions in America at the minute. I mean, how much focus the manager puts on what happens in those training sessions, much probably more or much more than what's going on in the pitch. So maybe there's a situation, I'm not saying it is, but there's a hypothetical here mm-hmm. that he's putting absolutely everything he's got into training. Um putting all his juice in there, giving it everything, so he's actually knackered on the pitch, trying to impress the manager and give the manager what he wants. We just, we just don't know. Yeah. In the same way that I've never been overexcited about a player having a fantastic pre-season, I'll never write anyone off, off the back of a mediocre one, shall yeah. we say. I don't know. I'm not. Maybe I'm just being no, picky no, for I, the sake of it. I don't know. It is a fair point, because as I say, we did kind of 
I mean, God, if we if we made, if we made gods of everyone had a good preseason, you know what I mean? It wouldn't, be the, it wouldn't be the first time someone's done fantastic in preseason, and then we haven't heard from them again until this time next year. So. But I think the the feeling with Wilson on a positive note, I don't think anyone's done fantastic in the <laughs> season so far. So these training you know, sessions must be great. Yeah. Well, we really hope that they are great. And you are right. I do believe the Klopp puts more stock in that. And if you look at the history of last season, that's exactly how Divock Origi managed to get his chance because obviously he wasn't playing at all and then he came in obviously off the back of his training and was able to build the second half of the season off the back of that. One thing I will say about the, the preseason games, and it, this isn't a dig at him because I think he's been a fantastic professional I think the way he handles himself has been great but I know I, I know. don't even have to say it do I no you don't anyone who watched the Sporting Lisbon game or should I say specifically the first four minutes of the Sporting Lisbon game will know what we're talking about and you know the mad thing is that's actually one of the things he's best at scooping low shots like that the amount, of, the, 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 amount, the amount of keepers who push them out and normally it sticks every time so I don't know what's happened mm-hmm. but the fact that it, it has happened yeah, I mean, I'm planning to dive into Mignolet a little bit more on the gutter, but for the sake of you... I'm not on the gutter. Well, for the sake of you then, Adam, <laughs> if you, uh, we, we can throw this in there. The, the ironic thing is that obviously we're talking about shop windows. Simon Mignolet, he's another one who in theory is putting himself in the shop window. He wants to leave. We haven't had any good bids for him yet. I mean, Adam, do you think that performance makes it more or less likely that he's a Liverpool player for the coming season? I think he's going to be a Liverpool player until I die. <laughs> I, like, I just think he's never leaving now because I just, um, I, I'm really, I just don't, I don't, I don't understand what the point is anymore because. That's a bit heavy, Adam. I, I, just, no, well, I mean, just in general. Is, or? Wait, is this not my therapy session? <laughs> um, I, uh, look, I think. I keep banging the same drum, which is that we play in a very specific style now, and Alisson fits into that style brilliantly, and the defenders know what they're getting out of the goalkeeper when he plays in that style. Simon Mignolet does not play in that style and cannot play in that style, and he tried to do a few things against Sporting Lisbon that is in that style. He tried to play a pass out to Andy Robertson that he basically just gave straight back to Sporting Lisbon, uh, Lisbon because it's not his style to do that. That's fine. I'm not. I am not criticizing him for the style of play that he has. He he is a very good goalkeeper, like a fish climbing tr- trying to climb. But a yeah, tree. but that's sort of you know, like it, it was ridiculous. That is, that's kind of what it is. It's just, it doesn't work, and so the the defenders don't know what the hell he's going to do. He doesn't know what the hell he's going to do. The whole thing feels like it's trying to you know put a very square peg into a decidedly round hole, and I don't understand what we're going to achieve from it because everybody has to change the way they play so so you've got the the youth team and the the you know the the second string if you like of players are working in a very specific style with goalkeepers who try to play the way that Alisson plays and then Mignolet comes in doesn't quite play like that but sort of tries to play like that but they don't know when he's going to or how he's going to do it and all of a sudden everyone's going what the is going on and i just i i, I just he it is not... I, I've never been a big fan of Simon Mignolet. I think he is a fine goalkeeper. I think he saves the things that he's supposed to save most of the time, doesn't really do much more than that. And I think one of the, the key things that you can tell about that is, if I said to you, 
name five of Simon Mignolet's best saves in his Liverpool career. I don't know whether we could come up with five definite saves. You could pick out the ones from his entire time at Liverpool that have been particularly brilliant saves because that's how many he's done that were amazing saves, maybe five. Alisson did five in the Champions League last season. Like I, He's a significantly better goalkeeper, but I've got no problem with Mignolet. I think he's probably a you know top 10 goalkeeper in the Premier League. That's not what we are anymore. My problem is he doesn't fit with the style of play that Liverpool are trying to do anymore and so it becomes a waste of everyone's time when he plays in my opinion and I, I really just think it's time to say now look you've done brilliantly well done and you're great around the squad and blah 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 but I don't care because his personality's not playing in goal if Alisson gets injured mm. the problem the problem you've got with that though is if you can't find a suitor for him you're then paying what however much money he's on a week um so then you then bring someone else in to be a number two and then have Mingley doing absolutely nothing and still paying him that a week. And but, the, the problem you've got... No, hang on. The problem you've got with Alisson is very similar to the problem you've got with Firmino. How do you buy back up to Firmino? How do you get a backup similar to Alisson? You just, uh, there's a very limited pool mm. of goalkeepers. So, I mean, look, for me, if in an ideal scenario, Mingley gets his move because he's got an opportunity to, to get himself in as the Belgian number one at the moment as well, which is interesting. If you can move him on, great. If you can't, I mean, what's he going to play? How many games is he going to play over the course of the season? He'll probably play in the League Cup. You know, there's worse, there's worse options. You just said to yourself, I'm not arguing, but you've just said to yourself he's a top 10 Premier League goalkeeper. So, what I would say then, if you look at the rest of the Premier League and look at their reserve goalkeepers, are they all of that similar standard? Absolutely. I think that's absolutely fair, but I think that if you bring a, a reserve goalkeeper in who fits the style of play more, who fit, who mean, who, <coughs> but that's who the problem. That who, who? Yeah, but I, look, I'm, but I'm not saying that we need to bring in somebody as good as Alisson. I'm, st- I'm, still, I'm, saying I'm, I'm, still, I'm still advocating Pepe Reina, by the way. You can say that for the gutter because you are going to be on the gutter. I think that's perfect. <laughs> but that, that sort of, I, you know, look. I, we're not, we're not, thank God, we're not responsible for Liverpool's transfer dealings. We don't have to find the players. But I, I think it's perfectly valid to say there is no point in Simon Mignolet being our backup goalkeeper. Yeah, he's perfectly fine. I don't think it's a massive coincidence that he was the goalkeeper of the two competitions that we went out of last season, though I know that is slightly unfair because there were big changes to the whole team. But I think if you, you know, for example, you know, um, Fabianski plays in, he is more used to playing out from the back than Simon Mignolet. He just doesn't know how to play out from the back. It's not his style of play. There are goalkeepers out there who would be who would be happy to be a number two who can play out from the back, and that would be more useful for this Liverpool team than what we've got from Mignolet. Because he saves things sometimes, yeah, great, doesn't save everything, and he makes everybody panic when he tries to play the ball out. So it's just, what, what, why are we doing it anymore? It feels like a good while since I heard a proper Mignolet rant from Adam Street. And I've got to be honest, I've missed it. I've really enjoyed it. For the record, I also think he should move because he deserves to play. I do think mm. he deserves to play. He's not good enough to push a team on from scraping top four finishes to going for the for the league and for the champ to winning the Champions League, he's not good enough. But he's certainly good enough to be playing. Every You've week. softened it's since marriage. You've <laughs> softened. I remember the days when you talk about self-immolation if you ever saw him again. Yeah. Do you, do you feel better now? Yeah, I do. Thank I'm, you. I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad, Thanks I'm glad for that. Okay, okay. Thanks, everyone. See you next time. So, so it's probably time to move on now slightly. Uh, let's talk about the tour as a whole because obviously we talk about it from the football side. The guys who are in charge of the team are thinking about it from more than just a football side are thinking about it from a commercial exercise obviously that's why we end up playing in the home of FSG in Boston and all reports I've seen from fans and I'm sure we'll hear more from this from the lads who are out there has been that from the commercial PR side it's been 
a great success. They're, all the fans have been really pleased to get access to their heroes. There's been a few kind of organisational bumps, but it hasn't really seemed to harm the, 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 the image of Liverpool across in America. Me personally, I still can't get around the idea of playing football in baseball stadiums. I just don't think that they're suited generally, but that didn't seem to harm anyone else out there. Stu, I'll start with you again on this one. How successful do you feel like FSG will see that tour compared to how Klopp will see that tour? Um, <clears throat> well, I think, I think you know, if you listen to the, the lads who were over there and have been, you know, amongst it all uh, within the tour and they'll have seen a lot of the things that are going on, I think it's, it all sounds very, very positive. <laughs> From my point of view, I'm looking at it going, we've, the manager's been here now nearly four years and I, I don't think he necessarily hides his emotions particularly and um, I think we know him pretty well by now and over the last week it seems to me that he's just got more and more agitated um, you look at it and as you say the, 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 the stadiums that we're playing in they're not necessarily cut out for football we've had some very very weird pitch dimensions I love um, that though. I, I think we should do it with more sports. I think we should do it like ice skating at the athletics, play pigeon shooting at the darts. Let's just mix it up. You just want anarchy though. <laughs> yeah, I do. Interesting. Um, I'd certainly watch. Um, but yeah, so I, I, and I also look at it and think it's noticeable that ticket sales have been down. Mm. The stadiums haven't been full. Um, so and maybe that's in part due to the fact that this hasn't been part of. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. This is this hasn't been part of the international trophy, no, no, whatever it's, it's called. Thing. So th- that carries a little bit of sway in itself. The clubs that we've been playing necess- haven't been necessarily as big as the clubs that we we've, we've played when we played in that tournament previously. Uh, and we haven't had our, our, you know quite a few of our big hitters mm-hmm. um, over there with us. So from that point of view, um, I, I wouldn't say it's been a roaring success. Um, I think the performances have been a bit iffy. Uh, I think the managers got become more and more frustrated as the pitches haven't been great. He hasn't had necessarily the players that he, you know, his full quota of players there, so he, he can he can really nail down his pre-season. Um, and I think he can't wait to get to to Switzerland. We are going. To, is it Switzerland we're going to France. France. So I, I can't. I, I, I don't think he can wait to to get going with that. Um, but from a corporate side of things yeah, yeah, and a promotional side of things, maybe it has gone really well. But I just don't think we we can't really get a sense that our job as fans, I think, is to is to watch. Andy mentioned before about training. We don't see what goes on in training. All we can comment on is what we're seeing on the pitch. And what I'm seeing on the pitch is not great pitches, um, not full stands, and most importantly pretty disjointed performances that have been fairly underwhelming and if I if I was working for FSG and I was really wanting to promote my brand over there, the European champions I don't think the performances would have, performances would have you know, lit any fires over there I mean the other side of it you talk about the full stadiums and you know I don't necessarily agree with the saturation point because Chelsea have got a massive fan base in America because they go every year and that's sticking what I would say is the locations interest me because if you're living, there's a couple of questions here. So, all the games were televised. I'm assuming they were televised in the States as well if you had yep. the service, right? Okay, so bear in mind you can sit at home and watch the game. So, it's not like that. I, I don't know, it's not like the Yankees are coming to Wembley and it's not being televised. And you know, if you're not there, and 
and then also two of the stadiums are proximity to each other in terms of the US. You know, why would you bother? Go- it is a surprise they went to New York two, week, two New- years in a row. New York, and then they done Boston again. Do you know what I mean? You're going to pick one or the other, aren't you? You're not going to do both. Mm-hmm. And then South Bend, it, it, the Notre Dame's kind of out the way, and it's not really a, a, a massive soccer town. So what I'm saying is if you're, if you're living in California and you know you can watch these games online anyway, you're not going to pay your five, six, seven hundred dollars whereas if it was just exclusively... If Liverpool played that one game in the US at Notre Dame, they would have sold at least twice as many tickets yeah. because it's not available on TV and this is your opportunity. Whereas if you're... I don't know, if you're not within striking distance, which in America is like a thousand miles, say. But if you're outside like a thousand, me- a thousand mile radius, and you know you know, you can just watch it on the TV if you really want it, then... And as you say, you're not getting the superstars either. No. I, I mean, personally, if I'd have been doing it, I wouldn't have gone back. I'm, I'm not knocking it, by the way. I, I'm, not, I'm not knocking it. And I understand why they're, why they're doing it. But I know, no, no, it's, it was it's, just the ones of a better it's offer. A, it's a fair point. Although, I think, personally, for me, I would have gone with South Bend because I think that that was a good new territory to go with <coughs> I understand the idea of going to Fenway because it is their second home rather than going to New York I'd have maybe looked at doing something on the west coast simply for that reason because I don't believe you went to the west coast last year either no but it's the time and it, the, the, the reason why they won't do that they won't do Boston and it, it's the time and issues we all know how tight the manager is on mm-hmm. periodization and whatnot. I think it was three years now since we went to California um, I went to that one um, and it's eight hours, and it's not just that. It, the flight back from California, you talk about jet lagging and condition and one thing and the other. It, it's it's compared to the, the hop from New York. It's, it's the same, same as if, if you know the the uh, the idea. Of I mean, Sue, so you're, you're you're a jet setter. <laughs> Cheers, man. You Thanks. go everywhere. Really? You know what I mean. You know what I'm talking yeah, about. No, I do. Yeah, yeah. Clearly, international playboy <clears> and all that. But um, but the 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 fact that. I think the managers had input on this. From everything that you understand about these American tours, the why the Premier League clubs like going over this because the training facilities are top notch, <laughs> really, really high class training facilities. And I, I think that the the reason we're, we're probably more East Coast based, uh, as Andy was getting at, then is is the time difference. It's noticeable that you would you would expect Liverpool to be alternating between one year America, one year Asia, and. I think if Klopp's given the choice, and I'm, I'm assuming he's had some input here, he would much rather go to East Coast America. I think I've got great training facilities. The time difference isn't what it is in mm. uh, in the Far East. So, you know, I can manage my pre-season better, go over there for a week, maybe even stay on British time, and um, and then over to France the following week. So I, I, I think the manager's probably had some, some, some say in it, really. Yeah, I mean, if I think... He's very keen, like you both said, to manage it as much as possible so there's as least exertion on the players. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the problem with Asia is similar to the problem we had in these games in terms of temperatures of the game. Uh, even if you're playing them late at night, it's still going to be really hot and humidity is going to be tough. I'm going to be interested to see whether or not Klopp decides to put his foot down and say, I want to stay in Europe one year because... We've got lots of fans in other places. In Europe. I think the biggest compromise that Fenway have made to him is that he get he gets to do US already. Really? I mean, if you remember the scale of the tours when we went to Australia, they were there for a fortnight, and they were massive, and they were everywhere. And you look how scaled back now our pre-seasons compared to what it was a couple of years ago. I think. I mean, maybe that's what's holding up him signing his new contract. You don't know. Mm. Joke, joke. <laughs> I mean, we are we are playing a lot of games in this preseason. We will go on to speak about Jesus the Christ. Next don't, ones. don't come at me on that. I'm joking. <laughs> that was a joke. 
Well, we will be discussing the next game up in Merrifield in the second part of the show. Just before we finish this first part, though, I wanted to touch on something. I mean, you guys have been a little bit on the, the negative sides of the tour. We have to mention the fact that Nathaniel Klein has obviously had to go home. He's suffered a really serious injury. He's going to put him out for six months. You said that, that, that like that was a positive. You've spoken about the negatives. <laughs> no, on no, the no. Side. <laughs> and in continuing with this, is the idea that Klein's injury, obviously, again, this is something we've covered extensively in the gut in some of our other shows. I just wanted to touch on it quickly with you, Adam. It's a real blow for the lad. He's obviously had lots of injury problems, but it's a blow for us as well because it kind of, if we were deciding whether to sell him or whether to use him in the squad, now we can do neither. I, I think he was I think he was gone. I don't, I don't really think Klopp wanted to use him. I think if you think back to last season when, you know, we I think we played Mignolet at right back or something rather than put Klein there so I, like it was it was very much like anything but using Klein for you know at the time when he then went away because he played the United game didn't he or something mm-hmm. like that yes. and then that was it we just never saw him again and then he went on loan and everyone went mad about the fact that he'd gone on loan turned out it was fine um, and I, I think Klopp just was sort of like you need to take a touch to be able to figure out where you are on the pitch. This isn't going to work in a Liverpool team. I think he was he was gone, uh, and the the rumours that he he was off to um, to join up with Hodgson, who doesn't mind how many touches you take to figure out where you are on the pitch, uh, mean that I, I think that probably would have given us a, you know a little bit of money to be able to use for, for buying nobody. Um, so I think. I don't think he was going to be around any longer, but yeah, as you say, it does sort of mean that we can't. He's, you know, he's neither use nor ornament now. Mm-hmm. I, I don't mean that. You know, obviously, it's cruel for him. I feel bad for him. He seems like a really nice fella, and it's and it's rubbish that he's he's got this injury. At least it's the sort of injury that you can kind of, you know, they can get him through through physio and things like that. So it's not like it's a career ender or whatever. No, um, but yeah, he, he just he's of no use around the place now, which no. is a shame in 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 all senses. And obviously, unless he recovers by January or someone wants to take him on in January, we're probably not going to get a fee as no. his contract will be up at the end of the season. Mm. Okay, well, that's enough of part one. We'll save some juice for the second part. Don't worry. We've got plenty more in this weekender to come. Hello, the weekender. Uh, Neil Atkinson, John Gibbons and Josh Sexton here to have a chat uh, about the American tour, what we've seen, what we've thought. And it's only right to end it in Carragher's, which is where we're sat right now, in the heart of New York City. A pleasure to be here, as always. Uh, John, let's do the game last night, first and foremost. It was the best of... I think it could be one of the best pre-season games I've actually ever seen, certainly for the first hour. There was a lot on it, and it felt genuinely competitive. It it felt like two sets of footballers who were actually enjoying having a proper game of football. Yeah, it was lively, wasn't it? It was competitive, but in a, in a good way uh, compared to the, the obviously the Seville one, which which spilled over a few times. Uh, this was, as you say, two teams wanting to play well, wanting to put on a a show for the for the for the large New York crowd at Yankee Stadium, and yeah, Sporting proper celebrated both the goals, didn't they? And and, it, and enjoyed the kind of the occasion, enjoyed playing against the European champions. Um, I thought Liverpool at times were excellent here, uh, other times maybe not so much. But I guess you'd expect that in a friendly. But he went he went strong with his team, Jurgen, didn't he? And and I think he, you know, wanted to to finish on a high. We we couldn't quite do that, but it was certainly a, it was certainly a good game. And um, yeah, a few lads feel a bit nearer where where they want to be than they did sort of a week ago. There's, you can see uh, it was last night was one way you could see the arcs in terms of who's where on fitness, Josh. And 
I think you know, looking at it there, you can you know, Fabinho and, and Milner get the ninety. You know, you can almost draw that graph in terms of when people come off as much as anything else. But also, you got the impression it was an opportunity for them to maybe show the manager, show themselves where they were for the fitness, for the, the touch, the readiness. Yeah, and I think that's probably more so the case for the lads who've come back a bit later that they can they can show that they can get this 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 next run of games now in the pre-season going into you know the Community Shield and obviously the fact we've got you know two finals basically coming up at the start of the season means that everyone's going to be vying for those places and you know that's that's as much for the lads who who've been getting regular minutes like Milner and Fabinho as it is for you know Virgil Van Dijk, Andy Robertson and Trent all coming back in. So it was good to see them them lads get a bit more of a, of a run out. I think Virgil ends up doing about eighty, doesn't he, before yeah. he comes off. Um, Trent and Robertson do do a little bit less. I think I think they do about seventy five. So it was good to see them them get a bit more minutes in the legs. Hopefully they can they can start to be doing full nineties soon. But yeah, good to see Milner and Fabinho getting some rhythm as well. Um, rhythm could well become the key here, Josh. And I think last night the other thing with Wijnaldum sort of playing as more of a Mane sort of role, Mane sort of position. I think that rhythm is something that they've been scrapping around for a little bit and. Listen, it's it, it it seems almost obvious to say it, but it'll be a lot easier for a lot of those footballers when the front three is the normal front three, however well everyone's done. But again, I thought you saw last night, for instance, I thought you saw Rigi step up a level last night. I thought you saw Wijnaldum playing that role step up a level last night. Oxlade Chamberlain had a good game, and I think you got to see one of the reasons why Liverpool were able to be more focused was because of that fact. And I think probably part of that is down to cohesion as well. You know, Devokarigi's probably played quite a few minutes alongside Oxlade Chamberlain and, and Gini Wijnaldum throughout this preseason now. So to have them. To sort of supporting him in attack must have must have you know increased that sort of cohesion, increased the the relationship between those three on on the pitch because you know we, we all know how good our, our normal front three are in terms of that cohesion, in terms of linking up play. And I thought you saw a lot of that last night. You know you saw Oxley Chamberlain's pass into into Gino and Arden for the goal. There was a few little touches and, and balls here and there which which we which we like to see and would expect to see from our from our starting front three. So I thought it was it was positive signs from all of them three. Uh, at the back, John, it is, and this is always going to be the case, so I think we've got to be careful, but there is such a marked difference between when Alexander-Arnold and Robertson are playing and when anybody else is filling in those roles. And it is, it's, there's, you know, there's obvious things you could say Liverpool could do about that, but I think it is actually difficult because they're, they're so good, they're so progressive. Yeah, they are. Yeah, and 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 Joe Gomez obviously fills in a, a little bit at right back here. Maybe fills in some way, but we get to go at right back, and you know he's he's fine, isn't he? But you know when you're used to Trent and you're used to that quality of delivery, he's just like a, he's he's not quite at that level in terms of his attacking plays. He's a little bit unsure sometimes. You feel where does where does Trent's a lot more on instinct, and he's and he's getting involved, and he's not doing anything daft. But you know it's. It's not a, it's not a threat, and the other side we end up with Milner there that you sort of were hoping we'd move past. I think, and I'm sure he was as well. Um, <laughs> you know, and I don't mind the odd bit of Milner at full back, but you know, if if we're going in with with, with him as second choice, then then I'd, I'd sort of be a little bit concerned. So I don't know. I, I think I think they'll go into the market. I, I do think we'll end up with with, with at least I one full back between now and the end of August I think it's, it's small things uh, Josh it is, it's the touch out of the feet that they've both got for me that's when you watch other players play those roles and you see the difference I think Milner's got that touch out of his feet as well but then it's also the pace with Robertson you know but you know I'm not expecting Gomez who is a centre back by trade you know that's the thing he will end up being to have that the, the, the ability and, and Arnold has it over over Klein. You know the ability to to effectively push the team ten yards up with your first touch in those positions is remarkable. Yeah, and I think you've both sort of hit the hit the nail on the head there. You know. 
Trent Alexander-Arnold's a centre mid by trade. We all know that. We all know he came through the academy, sort of playing that role. And as a centre mid, he, he liked to get forward as well, and he liked to be the one who was arriving late into the box. So it's no sort of surprise that he's he's got that attacking nature to him compared to Gomez, who, as you say, is a centre half. And I think you see it when you know Fabinho goes into the back four. He, it, when he plays a centre half, there's there is that front foot defending which which Liverpool like to see, which Fabinho is so good at, and it's natural to him because of the role he plays in midfield compared to maybe you know a Dejan Lovren who's maybe used to a bit more back foot defending, used to sort of last ditch and things like that and then maybe that's where he would make more mistakes than Fabinho because he's not sort of stepping out so much and then maybe when he does step out sometimes he's a bit too rash but on the other side I think you, you, you're spot on to say that Milner's got that thing that Robertson's got but just not so much of it and, and also lacking the pace and maybe the electricity that Robertson's got and that's you know it's probably as much down to his, his, his age as it is his, 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 his pace and things like that you know we, we all we all class Milner as, as a machine and, and I, I think he absolutely is in terms of his fitness and his endurance but Robertson's just got that little sort of that, that dash off the line that, that quickness in the mind as much as anything which Milner's probably not got so much which I don't think he has to because it doesn't sort of come naturally to him as a central midfielder but yeah I did, did think you saw that sort of golf last night um, I feel a bit for the, 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 the two lads Johnny we probably would like to have seen and haven't got to see which is Kaiser and Shakiri in that it would have been quite nice for them to get the, the time to, to, to bed into this, this, this squad here and maybe give Liverpool you know make us all feel like there are one or two more options in there because that's maybe what, what has been lacking across the three games is that sort of for, just that feel of well there's one or two there are some, here are the solutions within the squad as the manager keeps referring to it as Yeah I think that's a fair point and I think you know, both of them would have had plenty of opportunities out on this tour and also to play in different positions as well. Um, we were seeing less and less of Shakiri as a front three option as as we went through last season. Um, and, and he could have he could have had a bit of a go there and maybe sort of proved to the manager that, you know, he is a bit more versatile than, than how he sort of ended up being at, at Liverpool, if that makes sense. You know, it was it would come to the idea of, you know, he, he had to change the formation to play Shakiri, he had to do something different and, and he could have made a bit of an argument this summer that that you know you can you can you can do me as a, as a Salah light you can do me as you know as an as an option in that front three and I can I can do what you need to so bit of a shame for him and and obviously he's got a good record in America as well um, over at kicks last year and all that and it's sort of similar for Kaita really you know you can see where Kaita would have got plenty of minutes you know someone like Curtis Jones probably benefits from it so you know there's always a winner to the loser isn't there but. But you know, I think Kaita would have liked a big pre-season and, and, and hasn't got one because of the injury he got on international duty. Um, last little bit to begin to round it off, Josh. It's been clear, uh, not just at the shows we've done um, and the events that we've been lucky enough to do, but also just simply around the games, uh, going to the games, the how invested people are. Uh, it ceased to be polite applause at pre-season friendlies and it's become instead lots and lots and lots of rowdy uh, partisan Liverpool singing. Yeah, and I think that's you know a tribute to the sort of supporter culture that Liverpool are, are building, but also a tribute to just how dedicated these these American fans are. You know, I, I was speaking to some of them about lads who've come over from the west coast and the times they have to wake up in the mornings if it's if it's a 12 o'clock kickoff and, and that kind of thing and that sort of commitment you know it, it shouldn't go unnoticed by a Liverpool football club it shouldn't go unnoticed by us, us fans from back home as well because you know that's 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 what it's all about we want people who, who are sort of committed to that cause of supporting Liverpool there was a lot of concourse last night there was a lot of concourse <laughs> last night which which was good to see because you know you, you think about Brighton away last last season when, when we've got all the, all the party on the concourse and you, you, to get to see the American fans be able to have their own experience of doing that 
that and be able to sing these songs and you know give their players the the acclaim that they'll want to after after them winning the European Cup last season. That's that's just great to watch and it's it's been great to be around and to meet those people as well. I think it gives the players a boost, John. I think you know I think you've seen it with Origi. Um, I think that it, the, it's quite clear that they've, they've, they're able to put a bit of pep into some of the footballers' steps. Uh, they're about to go and have the toughest week of their lives. If we always joke about it uh, when you, know, you can get stuck into them, but they go there knowing knowing the affection that they're held in. Yeah, I think it is. I think it is nice, and obviously there's a few of the lads who've, who've kind of seen it all before now. But I think for some of the younger ones and and, and the new lads, um, it is nice. I thought he would do great to the, to the young centre half making his debut yesterday. Um, you know, really sort of su- supporting him and making making him feel like he's a he's a Liverpool player. Um, you know, Brewster's been been a starter all summer, as I'm sure he's in, he's enjoyed his first tour. But Origi as well, you know, didn't. You know, get involved. I don't think last year. Uh, I think by now he was he was sort of out on loan. But I think this year, obviously, he's been one of the star attractions on the main events, hasn't it? And it's felt like a bit of a, a summer so far of, of celebrating the, the European champions, as you say, just before the, uh, the, the the week where we where they have to forget all about it because they can't remember the name because <laughs> uh, of how hard the, the, the work. But I think. You know, this 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 has been a nice little continuation of, of the kind of celebration of, of Liverpool being European champions radio and all the live shows, you know, the the legends it's all they want to kinda of talk about really and, and it's it's looking forward obviously but also just kind of, you know, one last day, one last drink to what happened on the first of June. One last drink to what happened on the first of June, but as the manager says, it all starts all over again. They're going to get worked unbelievably hard. So let me hand you back over. A big thank you to the boys out in America for that and for all the reporting they've done. If you've missed any of it, please check it out on our website. They've done some great work, and their work is still not done. They've literally got off the plane and headed straight out down to Anfield, where. Some of you who've been on our social media channels will have known that we've commissioned a very special picture of a very special young scouser, Mr. Trent Alexander-Arnold. And here's John to tell you a little bit more about that. And it's uh, John Gibbons and Craig Hannon. um, And we are on Sybil Road, which is where... We're close to completing. Well, I say we're close to completing. Eric, who's the artist that you'll hear from in a little while, is close to completing uh, a fantastic Trent Alexander-Arnold mural, which was the the idea um, or the brainchild of, uh, of you, Craig, I would say. I mean, it was a bit, it was both of us, I'd say. <laughs> I think basically after the Champions League final, we wanted to do something that celebrated the fact that um, a local lad had uh, basically achieved all of our dreams. Um, and so on the bus on the way back from Madrid, we were sort of thinking about ideas, thinking of how we could we could celebrate this. And um, <laughs> one of the first ideas was sort of billboards around the city, uh, and one in particular in West Derby. Um, and the one thing that we didn't want this to be from the office and advert um, because it doesn't have the same effect and so that I think it was you turned to me and said well, why don't we just do a mural then and, and um, it's been it's been this thing that's been sort of um, in the pipeline since that we've worked really hard on and it's not an easy thing to get, get, get going I would say um, I love how you said that we've done this imagine it was me and you that were painting this mural by the way what, what it would look like it's just absolutely incredible to, to sort of finally come down to it and um, uh, and, and see it in the flesh and even watching Eric sort of I've been following the, the pictures and the videos throughout the week and um, <laughs> seeing him paint it by just looking at a photo has blown my mind um, it's everything that we kind of hoped it would be and um, and, and yeah sort of it's, it's a mural for all the right reasons I think John yeah no definitely because you know there's this so many stars in this Liverpool team and so many role models and so many you know 
footballers who, who on and off the pitch inspire you, but Trent is the local lad, he is a young kid who plays like a man and he is someone who's achieved the dreams of all the young kids who, who, who play football around here. So, you know, it's been boss kind of even just being here for a short time this morning, seeing like, you know, a lot of people buzzing off it, but especially kind of young people and, and seeing, you know, them kind of looking up in, in awe and, and being kind of hopefully inspired by it because, you know, if Trent can do it, then, then maybe they can as well. And so it's, 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 it is, you know, it's, 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 it's him kind of looking, looking across, you know, the, the, the way it's kind of been painted and, and it's so close to the ground as well. That's kind of a, a, re, a really nice thing as that's, well. That's my favourite thing about it really is we managed to get the wall um, on on Anfield Road. So it's on our walk from Tia, it's the road that the team bus will drive past every day, every uh, match day, sorry, uh, and be able to see Trent's, uh, Trent's mural. And um, we've, I think we can say this, we've sort of, we've spoken with Trent's, Trent and Trent's brawler throughout this process to 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 make sure that it was a photo he liked first of all because um, that it was important to us that it, if that it was if it was this gift to him from from fans that um, it was something that when he first sees it he's going to be just uh, taken aback by and <laughs> and I think he will be so um, there were you know we were we 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 worked through various images and 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 mock-ups and. Um, we've arrived at this one. I think it's. I think it's perfect. It's um, th- the fact that it's his name and it's his number. Um, you know, it's huge. It's a three. It's on a three-story house, by the way. And so, um, I w- one of my favourite things so far has been walking down Anfield and seeing how far you can see it from, <laughs> and you can see the name and the number from from in the distance. And um, yeah, it's 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 really special. Yeah, and as as Craig says, we've tried our, to make sure that kind of you know everyone likes it and everyone involved so obviously Trent and and you know his his family but also uh, we're going to hear in a, in a second from Ian Ben, who's a, who's a counsellor in the area and does huge amounts of work with with, with fan support and food banks for people who live in L4 and and, and you know something that, 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 that we wanted to make sure that they thought it was a good idea and something that would be welcome to kind of for people kind of living around here and obviously the reaction that we've had locally Craig's been really nice as well and everyone sees it as a positive thing as something that hopefully going to inspire it and hopefully another thing that people can enjoy uh, if they don't live around here but when they come to Anfield definitely that's the you know that's it's so exciting that this can this can be a tourist spot and it can be another sort of visiting spot for um, people from without you know from out from with uh, outside the city um, uh, and, it, and it's also a place that you know local kids within the area can just come to and they can um, you know one of my favourite photos so far is the the two little girls doing keepy ups yeah, um, uh, right in front of it that's an incredible photo Um and and yeah, that, that's you know that it, it's it's a special thing really um, to be to be able to be involved in really, John, isn't it? That we're able to you know work with an artist um, like Eric and um, you know create a bit of artwork uh, on a wall within Anfield, so close to the ground, like literally in the shadows of the ground, um, on the road where um, you know the North Liverpool Food Banks collect on match day, on the road that the that the team bus drives past. Um, and on and on the road that we record most of our shows, so um, it's it's worked it's worked out perfectly and and it looks incredible. Yeah, it does look incredible. Hopefully we're going to get it finished today. We've got a slight issue with the car, kind of in the way at the moment that we can't figure out who it belongs.
belongs to, but hopefully it will be finished today and then people are going to come and enjoy it. That's the, uh, that's the, that's the one thing I would mention is that quite a few people have, have been posting pictures on social thinking it's finished. I think um, I was speaking to Eric earlier and, and there were people <laughs> tweeting saying that why has it only got one hand? And, <laughs> and Eric was responding on social media saying because it's not finished yet. <laughs> yeah, I, can, um, I can promise right now he has two hands. Yeah, so and, there's, uh, and very good hands for you as well. <laughs> uh, and there's still, a, there's still a quote to go on it as well. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm, the first day of the season is going to be probably special, isn't it? Really, yeah. like um, I think I want to get down for the team bus driving past just oh, to, nice. to sort of be able to see them and uh, and and to be able to sort of just see loads of kids getting their picture taken with their hero. Yeah, I'll come down for that. We'll bring cans. Yeah. We'll make, make, make a night of it. Uh, no, it is, it is cool. It's funny. I was told to someone from Liverpool Football Club about it, and they were saying like how. You know, maybe uh, you maybe you could do you could do them all over Liverpool, and I said, well, I'll make it like a Rafa Benitez where when he brought Mont to watch every time he won, do <laughs> what a trophy! Like we'll do one of these every time Liverpool win a trophy, we'll we'll fork but up the cash. You, you, you know, you make the joke though, but like Liverpool have just won the uh, have just won the European Cup, and there should be things like this all over their city. There should be, and um, I'm just happy that we've sort of been able to to be able to do this and and, and you know get it done for the start of the season because that was a big thing. That was yeah. one of the things that we said from the very start is it was great to have it in for that first game and God, it's been tight with us being away and uh, <laughs> poor Eric's got his holidays soon and, and just trying to work all of that out. But um, yeah, we're, we're almost finished now. Yeah, almost finished now. So um, so yeah, so come down and enjoy it. But um, before all that, uh, I'm going to speak to Ian Byrne, as you say, from Fan Support and Food Banks, who we're going to kind of dedicate uh, this mural to because it's so close to where they, they, they work so hard every match day. And then also we're going to speak to Eric, the artist. And so that's coming up now. Yeah, so I'm uh, at the Trent Mural and I'm joined by Ian Byrne, um, who, well, wears a lot of hats now, but one of them is, is sort of councillor for, for this area. Ian. So uh, what do you think of the mural, first of all? Uh, on civil road. Well, I think it's magnificent. I just clarified council for Everton just across the road. So here's <laughs> Anfield Council's knocking about, but I lived at old next to this. So uh, when this was in visits and John said uh, he was talking about thinking about doing it from the Anfield Rap, I just thought what a brilliant idea. And I'm absolutely astounded by how good it is. I mean, I'm so proud that we can see every time I come home from work now, I can see that mural. I think it, it adds a little bit of colour to the area, a little, little bit of vibrancy, uh, and I think it's absolutely fantastic. So we're uh, well done all involved and well done the Anfield opportunity created something really special. Uh, and I'm sure the area will embrace it, and certainly with the uh, season coming up, I'm sure uh, we'll have many people standing outside Silver Road and looking at Silver Road uh, in a different light. Um, does a lot of people come down already, haven't they? It's not even finished yet. We've seen people coming down to get pictures with it and stuff yeah. like that. It is adding a little extra, hopefully a nice thing to, to come into Anfield and visit in the stadium. Absolutely, mate. Yeah, it's another it's another reason to come. And you know, my, my lads have been coming down every day and looking at the uh, <laughs> looking at it as it as it's being completed. So I know there's loads of interest from locally within the area, which is great. And also there's obviously going to be interest from the fan base and seeing it. So uh, yeah, let's just hope that uh, people of all colours, uh, both blue and red, acknowledge it is something which is. Uh, which is adding some colour in Italy area and something that we should be uh, rightly be proud of. So really good. Uh, it's good to have some uh, fans supporting food banks um, presence on there as well. I mean, it's just a stone's throw, isn't it, from where you are every game to to you know to collect and, and, and people to donate. So I mean, anything that can that can bring more attention to that and the great work you do every day, uh, I'm sure is most welcome as well. No, no, absolutely, mate. Yeah, anything that can uh, raise the awareness of, uh, of what we do uh, is is uh, genuinely welcomed. And I think hopefully getting our logo on and you know what we're about, it, it just it, it just enhances it for me even more. And I'd like to thank. Uh, 
the Anfield app from both myself and Dave Kelly uh, for all they've done for us for uh, the last four years. They've been fantastic. They've been real uh, supporters of what we've done, promoting what we do. And also, this is just like the cherry on the cake for me. So uh, Dave's not too happy. He wants one now of uh, probably our Kendall there uh, on the side of Kirby. But uh, we can have that discussion with the Blue Room. <laughs> And we're now with Eric, who's the artist um, who created this wonderful mural for us. Um, so, well, I mean, it's nearly finished, but thanks for, for, for getting involved in the project. Uh, has it been fun to do? Yeah, it's been great. Uh, I was quite lucky with the weather, actually. Um, so it took overall a full week to complete. Uh, and the, the response from the local community has been great. People stopping by to take pictures. People stop by to have a chat, find out more about the, the mural and, and and so on. Yeah, there seems to be an excitement in the area, doesn't there? The fact that this is being created and you know just a, just a, another thing that hopefully people enjoy when when they visit and when they when they come, but also for the people kind of around here to have this wonderful piece of art. People seem to be really getting into it. Yeah, definitely, uh, it's been great. The response I said, and uh, either it was people from the local community, like one of the kid next door came to see me and told me, oh, Trent is my favorite player. <laughs> so he's really lucky that he actually lives next by, uh, uh, yeah. nearby. Or even some tourists from America just came by and had a chat and took some pictures. So uh, yeah. it's been great. Yeah, so I mean, Trent is a hero around here for the, for the young children. And hopefully, you know, one of the reasons we picked Trent is because the, hopefully for, for young people, he's an inspiration for them to think, well, if he can fulfill his dreams, then maybe so can I. Yeah, definitely. And that's the idea behind the mural that a local player who grew up in Liverpool has kind of achieved his dream so why not other people from around the area and that's the the message. And I've noticed as well finally on, on social media you've had a, a lot of people commenting on, on Facebook and Twitter and, and saying how much they're kind of enjoying it as well and hopefully looking forward to coming to see it. Yeah definitely uh, I mean uh, this week has been uh, uh, quite intense and uh, the image has been picked up by various uh, fan sites or, or, or local people who, who posted the, the image so uh, I think it will bring a lot of attention to the area well, Thanks a lot again for getting involved and uh, yeah it looks amazing already I can't wait to see it fully finished uh, hopefully soon Yeah thanks for the opportunity and uh, it's been a great uh, project And now it's time for the Red Specs section I've still got Andy and Stu alongside me for those of you who aren't aware Red Specs are our betting partners who put 50% of their profits back into community action. So if you are someone who likes a bet, then they are probably the best people to go with. And these are some of the best bets to go with. Now, I've decided because obviously we're getting close to the new season, they've announced some bets for the opening day games. So we've got a couple of bets here based on the Liverpool-Norwich game. So first of all, I'll throw this one to you, Stu. For a repeat of last year's opening day 4-0 victory as we had over West Ham you can have 9-1 to for a 4-0 victory over Norwich on the first day what are you saying does that seem plausible um, yeah yeah it does just in the spirit of you know home opening days um, but at the same time I'm thinking just the way with the, the, the front lads coming back late I'm I'm thinking no. I'm not going to bite at that one. I'm, I think I'd be looking for a more conservative scoreline. What do you reckon, Andy? I mean, it's a promoted team. You never know. You've seen it before, where they have a a great start and then Liverpool get a few late on, pile it on, maybe. Uh, I've got any odds on seven nil. 
<laughs> um, not to hand, but I know that the odds on something that do exist. I wouldn't, I wouldn't take that. I wouldn't take the four nil nine to one only because not because I don't think it's good value. I think I can see the value in it. I just think that Liverpool will either just regulation two nil or. It won't be four. It'll be an absolute spanking. Mm-hmm. Um, like to lay the gauntlet down, so to speak. Well, I've kind of gone with this section. I've kind of gone for the more, not outlandish bets, but the ones that are more likely to bring a little bit of value. So here's another one which you probably won't be that pleased about, but I'll, I'll tell you anyway. It's half-time, full-time score. Norwich to be leading at half-time <sighs> and then Liverpool to win the game. Ooh. 22-1. Oh, I like that. Now, no, I'm into that one. You're, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sold. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm deaf. I'm biting all day. Wait, Twenty-two. <laughs> Twenty-two to one. Wow. Yeah. Now, now obviously, that it could be an early set piece, like we saw against Burnley. Maybe Liverpool start a little bit rustily. Little shock to the system. Yeah. You know, and then come out out, out the traps, out the block, second half, and batter them. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm for that. Yeah. Nah. No. No. Nah. no. Still nah. can't see it. Look at Liverpool's league record at home. Look at how many goals they don't concede at home anymore. Nah, not for, I can say 22. 22 to 1. 20, yeah, well, that's 20, 22 is a big price designed to get people to go, oh, that's a good price. Let's have a bit of that. <laughs> yeah, literally. Suck it right here. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Savvy businessmen, these red bets, fellas. Um, no, not for me, Clive, unfortunately, no. Um, if I was going to go anywhere, I'd go Liverpool win win. Um, I'd be curious to see the odds on half time draw Liverpool full time. Um, again, I don't have them to hand with me, but they are definitely on the Rosebet website. So if you're a little bit more on the realistic side, like Andy, you can find out exactly what they are. We're really good at home. Speaking of realistic, uh, you're probably not going to like this one either, but I like it because we want to get a bit of fantasy into this. Now, we all know that Manchester City were imperious for most of the season last year, but... Strange things happen on the opening day of the season and they are away to West Ham. West Ham, we've just bought, uh, broken their transfer record to bring in a brand new spanking striker who, if you think that he can maybe nick a goal and for some unknown reason they can concede zero as opposed to the six they conceded last season, West Ham won Manchester City nil, 30-1. to one. Three-zero to one. Is that just on that scoreline though? Yes. Not on a West Ham win, but on a uh, it's possible. It's possible. I think it's certainly more possible than the Norwich one. Which is, uh, <laughs> at 22s, look, who knows? There's always one Mickey that gets thrown in the opening day of the season. I always read that it's us. It won't be us this season. Um, so, you never know. I mean, look at the teams that City did get beat by last year. Although saying that, I think they scored in every single one of them. I don't think they did fail to score mm-hmm. in any of the defeats. But the, the, it was Leicester. It was, come on, help me out. Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace. And Newcastle. Newcastle. Games we'd normally expect them to win. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know what? Why if it was good, if you're gonna if you're gonna ask me to put a fiver on a mad one, that would be the one I was gonna put a fiver on. I like it. Saturday lunchtime as well. Bless you. You know sometimes if you're not really up for it early on in the season, these things can happen. I mean, again, I like it. <laughs> I'm telling you, being on this insert, I don't think it's very good for me to be honest. I think I, I may well have just de- developed a habit within the last five minutes. He's got seven weeks off. He's got to bank accounts. He's gonna be he's gonna be the poor house before he gets away in holiday. Where's all the spends gone? Where are you going? Where am I going? Yeah, on holiday. Tenerife. Tenerife? Yeah. Oh, yeah. they'll take you on. Red's about to take you on. They'll survive, That'll be fine. Trust me. 
Yeah, no, I, I, I like it. I, I think, but I think you sold it well. I think when you just look at it in you know black and white, you know, okay. But when you said, you know, it's away from home, it's opening day. West Ham have got a new striker. They're going to be dead excited. You know, maybe Man City a bit rusty. All of those things pressed my buttons. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, uh, I'm into it. You can totally see it happen. There's a few other interesting clashes on the opening day as well. Obviously, you've got Chelsea, and Man United, but. I don't care enough about them. And to be honest, the odds of them are all quite close anyway. Another close game is that Leicester Wolves, who are going to be battling it out to be the best of the rest. And the final bet that I've got for you is based on who will win that race to be uh, seventh, basically. And if you want Leicester City, you can get nine to two. Is it to finish seventh or to finish in the top seven? To finish seventh. I think, I think they'll finish higher. You do? I think there's a fair chance they'll finish higher than seventh. Yeah, I think they're going to have a really good season. So you you on this one as well then? No, because I think they're going to finish higher than seventh. <laughs> I, I reckon, I, but I reckon the odds are going to be bigger if you can give me, you know, that they finish in the top five. Mm-hmm. I reckon if I was to go on the Reds bet website and look for Leicester top five, I reckon I could, you know, be enticed. <laughs> see, it won't take much. <laughs> you're a professional now already. I can see. It, I can see. It. But I mean. There's some good things to get your teeth into. It's still early days in the season. It's what I like. Everyone has a chance to win every game. I mean, in theory, anyone can win all 38 games. But we've given you a few little tidbits there to get you started. Have you seen Harry's have gone national? I mean, quite possibly international, I would say. The huge... I, uh, I don't know, know where they're going, but it's definitely places. I I, I mean, I, I'm just pleased they've still got love for the streets. You know what I mean? <laughs> still kicking it podcast style. Yeah, yeah. I I was worried for a while. Like, I, I went to London, and I haven't been to London for ages, so it must have been a couple of months ago, and I remember seeing the billboards with Harry's on, on the tube. You know, the back of the tube, where it's that curve thing, oh, and you're yeah. a bit like, yeah. And you sort of see them when you go past, and you go like that, <laughs> with your head back and forth, not good for podcasting. And I was like, God, what if they've got too big for us? What if the... What if, what if, what if the what if the Harry's money dries up, John? <laughs> They're leave, leaving us behind. I think they recognise that, you know, you look after the people who've been on the journey with you, and I do feel like we've been on a journey with Harry's. I mean, their journey's been better than ours. Uh, thus far, <laughs> um, you know what I mean? Um, it's, the, you know, I'm, I've, I've shaved now with Harry's for some time, I and mean, I feel a bit like, I do feel a little bit like, you know, they've got massive on the third album. <laughs> I was, I was, Are you a Harry's hipster? I was basically, I was talking about Harry's when they only had three good singles. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, when the ergonomic handle wasn't even that good. Yeah, when people honestly, it was, it was, it was yeah, people Shower didn't even case know. Was a joke. Yeah, people didn't even know. You know what I mean? It's Hugh Stevens was playing them when I liked them. <laughs> uh, that's the way in which it's gone with them with our friends at Harry's. Um, yeah, uh, we've. I'm still shaving with Harry's. Back to shaving with Harry's at the minute. Uh, Harry's are back in. Uh, I had a bit of a, a bit of a lull, as I think I mentioned the last time I did this, but I got it sorted out after doing the ad. I mean, if nothing else, these adverts get me boxed. <laughs> I don't, know, I don't know what Harry's numbers are like off I'm the back of it. A reminder to yourself to to get back on to get back in touch with them. Um, enough, everything's happening. Yeah. Uh, so the Harry story. I mean, it's like Brewster's millions these days, but for decades, one big razor company uh, had relentlessly increased prices. Uh, done the business. Jeff and Andy, two ordinary guys on the way to the top, uh, were fed up. <laughs> with ordinary <ish. laughs> Fed up with getting ripped off, and so they they they, they basically got stuck in, uh, and it's work. I mean, it's work to the tr- the proofs in the pudding. I really wish we bought stock. <laughs> <laughs> That's what, yeah, instead of cash, should, should have took equity. Can we have points? <laughs> um, they knew there was one way to ensure the quality. They bought the factory uh, and they went from there and they offered the blades at half the price. And they are they remain at half the price and they are the business, um, as we always do when we 
recover Harry's John. You know, it is. It's. It's. I'm, I'm into it. I'm into the aloe vera gel. It's a. It's a. It's a really good razor. Yeah, it is. Yeah, you know, we've we've had a bit of a laugh on this one because obviously, as you say, we've been on a bit of a journey with them. But it is really good, and that's why they've done well. You know what I mean? It's a. It's a word of mouth marketing. It's people like us saying we've tried it and it's good. And there's obviously people sticking with it. It's a subscription thing. You know, they they send it out to you as of when. You know, depending on it, so how often you shave and stuff like that. And people have stuck with them because it's a good product. Uh, it's handy. It comes straight to your door. It's everything you could possibly want. And yeah, and it's a it's a good product doing well. It is indeed. So you get your weighted ergonomic handle, as John's mentioned, five precision engineer blades, uh, the rich lather and sh- sh- shave gel, uh, and the, uh, the 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 travel blade cover. That's all in there, uh, and you can get started today. Uh, get started shaving with Harry's today by claiming the trial set for three ninety five. It's Harry's dot com. It's forward slash Anfield. Harry's dot com forward slash Anfield. Fair play to Jeff and Andy. And at some point, they're going to take me and John out on the ale. We will be back with more <laughs> more Harry's, more weekends, and more things soon. And we're back in the room here for part two of our tour chats. Uh, now, the tour moves on to Evian, which I believe is Klopp's real time to shine. It's the part that he's really been looking forward to, Andy. Nice clean water. Yes, nice clean water. Uh, a fuller squad will have some more people back. Uh, not only the guys who've been playing football late in the day, the likes of the Brazilians from the Copa America, Mo Salah as well, but also Jordan Shakiri and Nabi Keita should be available to start going back into training. Now, Adam, I'll start with you on this one. What do you see are the main things that the club's trying to get out of this time in Evian? Because it's not a long time. It's only two or three days. I think it's the key thing is just to make sure everyone's up to scratch with the, the various you know formations that he wants to play, moves he wants to make, and also... I would guess to to check how things are looking without Mane because we know we're definitely going to be without Mane for at least uh, the Community Shield and the first game, isn't it? I think is it the first game? I think so. I think he's back, isn't he? But I don't. He'll be look into his eyes, isn't it? That's what it is. Sorry, yeah, he's going to look into his eyes to decide whether he should play. But I think we're probably going to be without Mane for the for the Norwich game. So it will be, you know, does everybody know what their jobs are? Do we know what the roles are? And I guess, look, there must be there must be an extent to which he's looking at it and going, "Am I good with the squad as it currently is? Do I know who is fitting into which position if people get mm-hmm. injured or or whatever moving forward or ill in the case of Lovren? Um, you know, do, is everybody happy with the roles that they are expected to play as and when they're going to need to play them? And do I need to go into the market? Mm-hmm. I think that you know that's the final point. I think at which he'll. I, I don't think we are um, at all. I don't think we're going to. I think that I've really enjoyed the way the language has changed over transfers. That it started off of like, oh, we'll buy a, you know one or two people, and then it moved to like, oh, we, you know, we, I mean, look, there's money there, isn't there? And then it's moved to, uh, well, look, you know, maybe it's the last day of the season. It'll all go a bit mad because no one's really moved, made a move yet, and now everyone's like, we're just never buying anyone ever again. <laughs> this is it. This is the team now till 2029. But I, I think that that's the. Last Last point at which Klopp can look at the squad in front of him and go, we need a left-back cover, mm. I think. That's interesting, though, Stu, because I would have thought that with the all we're hearing about Liverpool's long-term planning, that it would only really be an injury at this stage that would make a change to Klopp's plans. But, I mean, you mentioned Oxlade-Chamberlain earlier on in the show regarding his role in the game against Sporting Lisbon in playing further up than he had been previously. These are some of the kind of kinks, the, almost the evolutions that I expect him to be working on over there. Can you see a situation where maybe he's tried something, it's not worked, so he's thinking maybe the solution isn't within the squad and he will have to go out 
and change maybe what the, were the plans for the summer transfers? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I am with Adam, really. I, I think that you listen to the, the rhetoric coming from Klopp about finding solutions from within the squad, and I think that... I think there's a little bit of an issue here. Uh, I think that Klopp, in general, you know, just in principle, the idea of him spending ten to twenty million or more on a squad player or a backup player for a position, I just think is completely alien to him. Mm-hmm. I think if the opportunity comes up to spend, you know, to find an Andy Robertson, for example, they tried to do that with the lad from, from Bristol, didn't they? And Bournemouth came like in and blew him. us out the water. I think if there was an opportunity to go from, you know, up to 10 million on a promising player, um, or even an experienced player who could do a job within the squad, I think they'd, they'd potentially be interested. But I think it goes against his <clears throat> principles to be spending north of ten and, and pushing towards twenty on on a player who's who's not realistically going to be a first team. I think he would much rather find solutions within the squad, i.e., Milner at left back and what have you. And I think that that could be what I'm worried about is that could be a little bit exposed now because as we're as we've reached the point in Klopp's tenure where players who. <laughs> who weren't necessarily going to have a long-term future have run out their contracts. Mm. So Moreno, for example, we've not had to go and get a left-back cover because Milner's been able to play there and we've had Moreno. Well, Milner's older now, another year older. I'm sure he could still do a job, but Moreno's left. Um, Klein is now now no longer a viable option as a backup there either, but previously his you know he's been available until we've loaned him out um, as, as right-back. And so I think we've just we're reaching a point where Klopp's admirable instincts to think he wants to have you know leave room for young players to to grow and develop and have an opportunity to come to the squad. The squad is thin is thinning now, and we're just at that stage of evolution where I I wonder whether it could be exposed mm-hmm. his 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 distaste for spending big money on on backup players could just leave us a little whereas i think man city they're just not bothered yeah. they're just not bothered at all yeah they'll they'll go and you know splurge 40 million on a on a reserve right back we're not going to do that we're not going to do the idea you know some of these players that we were linked with like fairpo um, you know the idea of us spending, you know, twenty, thirty million. It was just, it was just laughable. So I just, I just don't see it. The only place within the squad I think he's going to be potentially moved to buy a player would be within the front three. If a, if a viable option came there, then I think he'd, he'd consider it. But even that, I think the perform, the, the, the squad selected team selection the other night gives us an indication that he's looking for other solutions there. Mm. I, I fully expect anyone Wijnaldum now to play. Left side, uh, in the front three, in 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 the Community Shield. I, I fully expect while Mane's out, Genie and Album's going to play there like he did against mm-hmm. um, Sport and Lisbon. So, I, I've kind of made me peace with the fact of we may not get anyone. It's a it's definitely sounds like the kind of thing that Klopp wants to do. And if we listen to what he's kind of shown us over the course of his career, we believe that that's always what he's done. He always looks for adaptable players. He's always got someone new Mm. in a new position. He's always got something he's trying. But, I mean, we've mentioned previously 
that we're going to be playing more games this season than we have been previously. Uh, some breaking news, actually. We've actually found out exactly when the dates of the Club World Cup are. So you were going to say then breaking news with side fair, Paul? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I think I'd be a little bit more excited if we were doing that. But I can tell you now the dates for the Club World Cup are announced. Liverpool will be going into the semi-final stage, which is the same as it was previously. Uh, that semi-final will take place on December the 18th. We don't as yet know who we'll be playing. And the final would then be on the 21st. Now, obviously, that's in the middle of the Christmas period when there's lots of Premier League games. So the game before it is uh, the 14th. We'll be playing Watford as it stands. And afterwards, there would be meant to be a game against West Ham on the 21st, which obviously we got to the final would have to be rearranged. And then, of course, there's Leicester on Boxing Day. Sounds like a lot to deal with, particularly the fact that we're going to be in Qatar again. So there's been a lot of talk of changing um, solutions, changing players and those kind of things. Andy, I'll ask you this one. Do you think that that could be a real problem? Because we've seen in the past English teams going to the Club World Cup and having mixed results. Sometimes when you have the backlog of games to patch up on, it can be a bad thing. Sometimes if you the teams who are uh, playing constantly don't get too far ahead, it can be an advantage. How do you see this one playing out? Can I offer a, no real opinion on the matter? <laughs> yeah, no. but you have to say why you've got no real no, opinion. No, well, I, I just don't know, mate. I honestly don't, I don't have the answer to that question. Um, I mean, it, it, you can throw in loads of hypotheticals just to, just to, fit, just to fill air if you want. I mean, you could say, you know, it, it does depend on your you form. You do know that the Anfield rap is your business. I'm just... This <laughs> <laughs> feels somewhat against the ethics and principles no, of the show. What, what, <laughs> I thought hypotheticals to fill air yeah. was the tagline. Yeah. I, I'm just, just going to go to from now on. Can I offer no opinion? <laughs> no. But look, do you, want, do you want me to be honest or do you want me to just... No, I don't know. I mean, if we go into it in good form, who's to say that form will carry mm-hmm. through? Or we could go into there with patchy form, get a good result and then come back in good form because we've regained it on the road. Or could we go in there in good form, lose momentum, then come back and it's all a bit shit. Well, when you consider how important the Christmas period has been, particularly last year when we did really well and it really did set us up for the second half of the season... Can you be? Can you? I mean, there's been talking some people of the idea of maybe us not even taking a full squad to Qatar and maybe just trying to do what we can to win those two games. We don't know yet who we're going to be playing against. The chances are the first game may not necessarily be but someone of Premier League quality anyway. As was pointed out, who do we send now? Because I, Stu and Adam are quite right. The squad's not fat enough mm. to send. You know, either I think what I would say is you either go there to win it or you go there and go. Meh. Don't try and halfway house it because if you're halfway house it, that's when your players get injured. That, that's when you get your injuries. That's when you get your players not fully committing to a challenge. And we all know the worst thing you can do if you don't want to get injured is not is to not go in. That you know not don't, not go in with 100 percent conviction because you're just asking for it. Then <laughs> I'm sure the club will manage it. I'm sure they'll have a plan um, logistically as well as on the pitch mm-hmm. about what they want to do. And look at the end of the day, it's another trophy, isn't it? And you know, well, we haven't won yet. Well, there you go. Uh, there's only that in the European Cup and his cup, I think. Um, and I don't think they're going to bring that back just for us. Well, you never know. <laughs> I used to say that if we, if we lobby hard enough. So I, I honestly don't know. Okay. Um, what I would say is we need we we need to go hard or go home, so to speak. Okay, something a little bit more 
um, real, a little bit less hypothetical, is in the very next game Liverpool will be playing, which will be this Sunday. We're going to be going to Scotland and we're going to be playing at Murrayfield, the famous Murrayfield, which if you haven't been, is actually a really nice stadium, despite the fact that they play rugby there. And I know that some people aren't as big fans of rugby. But we'll be playing Napoli, another team that we played last pre-season, Adam. Uh, last season, we beat them 5-0 rather comfortably. Um I suspect that some people may well be wanting a similar result this season. We have traditionally played well in the, almost the last flagship um, pre-season friendly before the season starts. Do you think the fact that it's a team we played last year and won so comfortably against can be a danger? That if we don't meet up to that standard, people are going to be a lot more pessimistic going into the season? Or do you, am I putting too much stock in the fact that it's the same team? I think some people will do that regardless it doesn't really matter does it because people get really weirdly obsessed with pre-season results even though it's basically a glorified training match but people get really excited about what it all means and you know what was it was it it was pre-2015 wasn't it the, or, mm-hmm. you know the summer of 2015 when we won every single pre-season game and then Rogers was gone by October but people need to just you know realise that pre-season games just don't mean anything and mm-hmm. of course we then played Napoli in the Champions League and lost to them didn't we in the, after beating them 5-0 or whatever it was so it just it, it's just not it doesn't bear any reflection to real life whatsoever. No, but... And I think... Go on, sorry. I was just going to say one thing it does bear reflection to is the Community Shield, which is coming up very quickly yeah, on the Yeah, but I don't think... The Community Shield doesn't really bear any... You know, like that, that, that is a glorified friendly as well. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an indicative one. It's one that we can learn a lot from. But if we beat Manchester City 10-0 in the Community Shield, it still doesn't mean we could beat them in either of the games during the league. It's just... It, it's just they, are, they are matches that the manager uses to try to get a sense of where his players are at, to try new things in, in, in a circumstance that doesn't really matter, etc., etc. I, look, I think the most... I think the, the thing that I've taken from this... The game at Murrayfield really is the the club's absolute insistence to play matches in as many places as possible that don't normally play football. Mm-hmm. Look, you know, Fenway Park, Murrayfield, <laughs> Prenton Park, just places where football <laughs> isn't normally seen. It's you know, it's really they've really stuck to it. But we have got to go to Goodison at some point. Yeah, you know, I was just about to say, pity we couldn't play at Goodison. <laughs> I like that. I like that little. There you go. Got it in. Oh, we got it in. We, have, we, we were having an internal bet as to whether or not the, the Everton news would make it into the show. And there you go. You got a little mention. Congratulations. Uh, but no, I. I'm interested in what you say about the the Community Shield and about the irrelevance of it. Because, Stu, are we really saying if we beat 10 0 against City that no one would care? Is it really irrelevant? I'd care. I think I'd be doing laps around town naked, to be fair. (laughs) I'll take that all day. Uh, I'm worried. I was saying to Lizzie before the show started, uh, she just walks in now, (laughs) trying to sneak in, exposing you. Um, But I I am worried that as we go into this charity shield or community shield, that we're not ready. We don't look anywhere near ready. We don't... I'm I'm concerned. And I just don't want to get a walloping from City because although the trophy itself doesn't really count as a trophy it doesn't really matter at the same time I think I think it would be you know quite a blow to the psyche of the players if we were to get trounced by them mm-hmm. so I, I do want us to put together a, you know a decent performance in that game No I can understand that definitely I think <laughs> It's one of those situations where if you lose that game, you can say it was meaningless. If you win it, you can say it was a Philip. 
I think it, that's why I'm saying that right now, before it's played at all, I think it's a pointless game. because <laughs> I, I do, because it's it's just a friendly, and I don't think the result of it matters one way or another. And I think it's important, especially given the opponents of City. I think it's important. Sorry, I know you're trying to wrap up the show there. But I think, or whatever. But I think it's I think it's important to say before the game's played, if we win it, it doesn't matter. If City win it, it doesn't matter. It just doesn't, it's just a pre-season friendly. I think what matters is what Klopp gets out of it. And, and as Stu says, whether we look ready for the Norwich match, because the Norwich match is the only one that matters. Mm-hmm. Interesting. We'll have to wait and see exactly how it all pans out. But thank you very much to Adam, to Stu and to Andy. Thank you very much to everyone out in America for your insert. We'll see you next week. Sports Social Podcast Network.